Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Sound Stories, an inspirational podcast for creative professionals and storytellers who want to improve their lives at home and at work. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, your host and co-founder of Voices.com. In this episode of Sound Stories, we're taking on a topic that goes a little deeper. Specifically, we're going to dig into the core of your brand. What are your values really? And how do they intertwine with your storytelling? After all, understanding who your brand is and why it behaves the way it does is essential for authenticity. And as we know, authenticity is key to effective storytelling. Joining us in this episode to take us on the journey is David Browett, Creative Director at Ramped Communications. As a senior level creative professional, he specializes in strategic results-driven marketing and advertising solutions. He's also been a contributor of humor essays to the Globe and Mail and several humor magazines. Welcome, David. Hey, Stephanie. Good to be with you this morning. Awesome. Well, I, I'm really, really pleased that you're here, too. So um, now when we normally think of core values, as we kind of alluded to earlier in our intro, uh, we might think of boring plaques. I'm sure you've seen them. You know, companies have them on their walls. They have generic sayings like honesty, integrity, customer service. Uh, now, David, in your opinion, is this the same thing that we should be looking at when we're talking about the core values of our own brand? Well, that's a really good uh, good place to start. You know, there's I think there's a big difference between sort of a mission statement and core values. And yeah, for sure, a, a vision or a mission statement that's just a plaque on the wall uh, sometimes is just that, and it's sometimes formed, you know, by a committee in a boardroom somewhere. But there's nothing authentic in that as well, you know. Um, so core values, I think, are something different. In fact, I think core values can inform a vision or a mission if if that's the route that you want to go. You know, if you want to have a, a vision statement or a mission statement on your wall, even that needs to be informed by your core values. So core values are not a, a plaque on the wall. They're actually what you live and breathe every day. And it's it's difficult work to get to, you know, who you really are as an organization. Um, but it's important because it really does form you know, the, the story, it, it informs the narrative of, of who you are and it informs all the decisions you make, not just in, in marketing, but really how you behave day to day. Yeah, hearing you say that, that is absolutely refreshing because we've all seen them, you know, these three words that might represent a company and whether they live them out or not, we don't know. But um, in order for a company to even know if, if they are, they, they have to actually know themselves. So uh, tell me a bit about your experience looking at your clients' core values and, and why is this an important aspect to look at for marketing and advertising? Well, I think, you know, the, the, the term authentic storytelling and genuine storytelling is really, I, I want to say in fashion, but it, it, it is it is the trend, you know, these days. And that sort of came about through uh, social media, of course, is that's that's not any kind of breaking news. You, you know, there's conversations happening about uh, products and brands right across the board. And so if you're not in that conversation, they're having it anyway. So you might as well be part of it. But but how do you. How do you have that conversation? How do you how do you uh, interact with it? Well, you need to know who you are and what position you're going to take. So, you know, with our with our clients, what we often do is sit down right at the outset, and this is you know particularly when you're doing a branding exercise. Now, if you if you're selling a product, it's a slightly different different process. I mean, um, you know, if if you're selling a product and it does what it says it does, then there's not a real question of core values. You're just telling the story and, and, and giving the attributes, um, you know, a, kind of a voice. But when you're talking about a brand, 
you really have to get down to what the brand stands for. So we will often sit with, um, you know, senior level, mid-level, really all the stakeholders, as many stakeholders as we can within an organization. And it's amazing how often you'll get a different response uh, or even conflicting responses. And so that's when you know you, you have some work to do to, to sort of really drill down to what the organization stands for, how it started and why, um, and are the people engaged in whatever the the core values are of the organization. And it is a lot of work, you know, because especially when you have various opinions around the table, you need to sort of get on some common ground. And it's often very eye-opening for uh, for clients who think they're doing one thing, but they're, they're actually, you know, dedicated to another thing. They actually stand for something different. And then, of course, the challenge is to, once you establish that, to make sure that everybody's engaged and, and is kind of living those values every day. It's... Uh, it's actually quite fundamental to an organization, and I think people tend to pay it lip service. We talked earlier about the vision statement on the wall. I think people do that work and they think it's done, but really it's 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 getting down deeper. So it's asking some tough questions. You know, what business are we in? Why do we exist? Where do we come from? Where are we going? All of those things kind of circle around the idea of, of core values, and then you can, you know, narrow it down to five or six key things that you can live and breathe every day. And that's interesting. As I was thinking, just because I'm a founder of a company and, and many of the people listening are, um, what happens in an organization that you might go into where the founders aren't there anymore? Um, you know, maybe that vision or, or those kind of core values or the reason for, for why things are the way they are, why they do what they do, but also kind of that that um, just having the history of the company in mind. What if that no longer exists in the organization? Or maybe there's a, a caretaker of this uh, brand in, in the story. How do you involve the right people in the room? How do you know who those people are if you do not have that founding team anymore at the company? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that's always going to depend on how the transition was, how old the company is, um, you know, lots of um, variables there. But, you know, if the, if the founders, the people that had the vision for the company um, are, are no longer there, you still need to try and figure out what, what the roots are of the company and, 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 you know, what it is they stand for, why they're in business. I mean, if you take a company like Apple, for example, obviously that's a, a company that really had had a lot of sort of transition and and you know almost went out of business and then came back and obviously because of one key visionary who is no longer with them and so that's a challenge that they need needed to um to really be able to overcome and I'm not sure that they they necessarily have but certainly they're you know they're doing fine uh so it's important that you at least keep your eye on it and make sure that it's in the thinking of of how you're going to to um, promote your brand and and how you're going to live the brand every day. So again, it's going to vary depending on the on the organization. You know, perhaps you have a a, a product or a brand that is doing very well, and then there's this transition in leadership, and suddenly it's not doing well. One of the reasons might be because you know took your eye off the ball. And you're not doing what you used to do, or you, you think you are, but you know how it's landing for the the customer is different because there's something different in your per- persona or the way you're you're presenting yourself. Yeah, absolutely valid reasons, uh, and I I know that that that's it's a conversation that I think is interesting for for many people. Um, but let's assume that the founders are there now in in this situation, and and you do have that core group of people who can help you to to go through this exercise. You've identified them now. We all know that it is about 
hard, let's say, to take an objective look at our own companies, you know, because we're, we're so involved in the day to day. But, you know, we need to be able to see it from an objective point of view, like an outsider would. So so how would you recommend that, that someone would go about discovering whether or not their core values are actually being lived out in the organization? Well, I'll tell you what we do as a company. Ramp has uh, seven core values. And part of it, part of the exercise is checking in on a regular basis with uh, sort of taking the temperature of the organization. Now we're a boutique shop. We're not a lot of people, but it still would work with a, a, a huge, large organization. And we, we actually have a check-in almost weekly as to how, you know, how people feel about working there, how, uh, how we feel we're de- dealing with our clients. We also check in with our clients to see how we're doing. And I think that's, really part of running a successful business, any, any organization, you need to find ways to check in with the people that work for you, um, your suppliers uh, and people that you're serving. You just have to constantly be checking. And if you do that, you'll, you'll get lots of data that will tell you very quickly if you're on the right track or if you're, you know, if you're straying. Right. And there are many different ways to do that. You've suggested that you're touching base with people. Uh, I know in our own company, we have a a survey that we do annually. Uh, There are some other informal ones that we do as well as in, you know, just conversations in general. But um, now what happens if along the way, we don't like what we see? And I'm I'm speaking for any company here, like you you obviously work hard, we all do at creating a culture and knowing who we are and, and having our values lived out through the organization. But but if we do find a spot where maybe there has been some erosion, maybe we've slid a little bit, um, you know, it, or maybe there's just like a, it's like, oh, no, like, you know, I thought it was this way, but it really isn't. And, and now we've got a problem. Like, what can people do in those instances? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think if your core values are properly formed and you are actually living them every day, you probably are not going to fall into that trap <clears throat> because, Core values will inform everything. Even if you've got, let's say you have uh, some, you know, crisis management that you have to deal with. So you've got, let's say, a product that causes somebody harm for some reason, and you know, you're, it really causes stress to your company, and you need to find a way to to get back uh, on track with core values that are in place. You'll know how to respond to that in a genuine and authentic way, and that's really what we're we're talking about here today too. It's it's storytelling. So. If you have a crisis and you deal with it properly or at least aligned with who you genuinely are as an organization, you're going to come out with the best possible result because you have, you know, the core values in place. So that's another reason why it's important. It's not just about marketing. It's not just about um, um, how, you know, people interact with with your company. It really informs all the day-to-day decisions and it'll help you in times of crisis as well. well. I'm glad you mentioned crisis communications. And we know that, you know, you may have a number of core values and any one of those uh, might be called upon uh, to, when you're in the midst of that crisis. So so do we use just one or, or like should we, how many of these values might factor into a, a response in a crisis? Well, that's interesting because they don't, work in isolation all your core values should be working together to form you know what your your what you stand for as an organization so certainly if one of your core values is honesty you're going to address the crisis head on and you're going to be just forthright in you know look we made a mistake here is 
what's happened and here's our solution to what's happened and we're going to move forward and you'll take any questions and you'll answer them honestly. So, you know, I think that's, that's probably key if, and it, again, it's who you really are, right? If you've, if you've built these core values um, authentically and they really are who you are, it actually helps in a crisis. It, it, it helps inform how you're going to respond. You know, one of the largest, this is a long time ago, but one of the largest uh, crisis management issues happened, um, I think, way back in the 70s. Now, it might be early 80s with, um, with Tylenol, where their products were tampered with in the, uh, in, um, in the drugstores, and, and people actually died because the products were tampered with. So they immediately went into action, and they, they recalled all of the um, all the products off the shelf immediately. And, but what I thought was interesting was, I'll never forget their, their, their annual report for that year, whoever the drug company is that makes Tylenol, all they had on the cover of their annual report was a picture of the, the, their package, their product. And with the headline, uh, it said something like, it's been quite a year. So even in their annual report, they said, look, we, you know, this is how we've, this is what we faced and we're dealing with it. And that product, you know, it survived. It's still on the shelf today. So I think it's a great example of, of being honest and they must've had something in place to really help them uh, make that decision and make it, make it quick. Absolutely. So um, I imagine that the bigger the company kind of, is it um, harder to, to make sure that those values are lived out consistently? I don't think so. I think you just have to do the work. You know, we can name all kinds of companies that we see from the outside doing a, a great job. Um, you can think of the great brands that, uh, international brands that do a really good job of, you know, customer service. They're totally reliable. They handle crisis perfectly well. And that, that comes from, from leadership, but it also comes from really knowing who you are. Um, and that always comes again back to, to the core values. So I'm not sure that it's even harder to do with a lar- larger organization because it's really part of the culture that is is developed. You know, it, the, the core values inform the culture in general. You're going to attract the, the kind of people that you want working for you if you have all this stuff in place. And that really helps no matter how large the organization is. No, of course. I, I hear you. So I'm um, just thinking now, are there any instances where it's okay to embrace a negative attribute of our brand? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not all about, you know, happy faces and, you know, we're philanthropic. Maybe the reason you're in business is to make money at all costs. And if that's your core value, that's the kind of business that you're going to run. Um, you're going to attract people who are just in it for, um, for you know, financial reward. And as long as everybody knows that's what the game is, then, you know, that's that's where it is. But I think for the most part, you know, companies are at least originally formed by entrepreneurs who have a, a vision uh, to somehow change the world in some way. Maybe they have a new product they've invented or a new service or a cause that they stand behind. So at the essence of most businesses, I think, you know, there is a, a sort of a truth there that is is beyond, let's say, just financial gain as the reward. But you can have what we might call negative core values, and as long as you live to those, you're going to be consistent with your story. We've all seen those fast food joints that where their whole idea is, you know, this is the worst kind of food you can have, you know, like the sort of heart attack burger, that kind of thing. And that's kind of a negative, you know, a- approach. But 
they're consistent with it, right? So that's not just like, oh, you know, you're going to be healthy if you eat here. It's in, in fact the opposite of that. But that's okay. That's what their point of view is. Right. And you can offer all the salads you want, but that, that burger, the high cholesterol count burger is still going to be on the menu. And they still, obviously, um, a restaurant that would serve a burger like that would, would want to sell it. Companies may play up certain elements of their brand, even if they aren't exactly uh, positive. Sure. And, and I think you've touched on something interesting there because as soon as they introduce a salad, they're off brand and they're not being true to who they, who they are. So that's, that would be an example of, you know, storytelling that suddenly doesn't ring true and it actually affects the rest of, of their overall brand. All right. So once we have a handle on who our brand is, and I'm hoping that everyone listening here has at least some kind of an idea uh, because we're all storytellers, all involved in, in some way in the telling of, of our brand story. Now, at its core, how can we ensure that the rest of the world has a chance to see us as we would like to be seen? I think by being consistent, you know, um, knowing who you are and then telling your story in a way that's engaging and is it can it can be unexpected you can surprise people with your story but it needs to be the narrative needs to be consistent across the board and and you know you can think of legacy brands that have been around forever they 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 evolve but there's a there's a core truth to who they are and how they present themselves and um you know i, I think that's that's key is is consistency know who you are tell your story in a way that's completely aligned with who you are and do it at every single touch point. So that's how you promote yourself, what your campaigns look like, what your website looks like, certainly how you, you uh, behave in social media, how you answer the phone, um, how you deal with customer complaints, how you treat your employees and suppliers. It, it all, every single touch point um, matters. And that's that's how you achieve it. And that's your brand voice, right? It's got to be consistent and, and also across the board consistent and all the different channels that you've mentioned. So can you give us an example of, of maybe one of your clients who has done this really well? Yes, we've done some work with ALS Canada. And ALS is a, is a, a terrible disease that um, there is no cure for. So, you know, people who, who have ALS really have a, a very short time and it's a very degenerative disease. Um, we did some work for them for ALS Awareness Month and the idea behind that was to really kind of face the truth of what ALS is and, and you know, it's if, if you have it, you have two to five years um, survival and it's a and it's, um, very serious and dire situation. But uh, ALS as a pause doesn't sort of wallow in that they 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 celebrate you know the achievements the life of people who um who have the disease and so we you know in in concert with their marketing people we did um uh, for als awareness month we did seize the 30 days and the idea was you know seize the moment that you have um which is inspirational for not just you know the people who have the disease, but also a reminder for people who don't to, to, to know that, you know, this is a disease that is, um, it's a terrible thing and, and, and they need help, you know, to get donations, to get the research done, to make it a manageable uh, instead of a, um, you know, a terminal disease. So they, they faced it head on, you know, they said, look, time is short and you need to enjoy your life and know that there are these inspirational people who are also 
um, enjoying the time that they have in the way that they have. And it, it, it's very emotional for the, you know, the loved ones and certainly the people that, that have the disease. So the campaign was 30 days of um, inspiring ALS stories. And we had people with ALS and uh, their, uh, the, you know, their family and loved ones um, post videos, one per day for the month of June. Um, and they were archived, you know, so that you could go back and sort of look at the stories and, and be inspired. And we supported that with social media, getting people to go to the to the site to to learn more about the uh, about ALS and to hear the stories. Um, and I think they told that story really well. I think they, you know, the idea of seizing the day and, and and kind of being in the moment is always an inspirational thought, and it's something that I think people often miss. You know, they they sort of go about their day and and they don't really think about oh it's Tuesday and that suddenly it's Wednesday and suddenly it's Friday. Um, so I, I think they did a, a really good job of being authentic and not, not cowering away from, you know, how serious the disease is. So they, they've done a really good job. We had someone in our own industry in the last several years actually pass away from this disease. And, um, he had quite a, I would say a public battle with it. They were very open about it. And, um, his journey with ALS wasn't terribly long as, as you have mentioned here, but, um, I, I could see that there was, there's a lot of fight in it. And, um, certainly a client, the client that you had just mentioned, your own client there, um, they're all part of helping them to tell that story. So thanks for sharing that. And, and kind of on a similar topic, because we're here, I wanted to highlight the fact that Ramped has a special focus on the not-for-profit sector. So um, is there anything different that you do for these organizations compared to the for-profit ones? Well, interestingly, you know, it's all about communication when you get right down to it. It's marketing. Uh, it's not a product necessarily. It's Sometimes it's fundraising. Sometimes it's for just awareness of a cause. But the, the, the structure of the campaigns is the same as it would be for like a packaged goods product or um, you, you still start with a you know, what's the goal? And then you, you build a brief and then you build a strategy and then you build creative that answers to that strategy. So the process is, is really the same. Um, for me personally, I found it, it's very rewarding to work though in this, in this uh, sector. Um, I, I worked in the sort of other part of advertising for many years and, and um, <clears throat> it's very gratifying to be able to, you know, make a difference to various causes and that kind of thing. So, um, but really the, the, the structure of, of marketing is the same, no matter what your message is. Um, and again, it all boils down to being genuine about what it is you have to say. So David, it, it seems like you put a lot of heart and soul into your work. And, and I really appreciate that. It's come through in everything that you've said about core values and, and about the work with, with ALS. Uh, just wondering, like, obviously this, this comes from somewhere and maybe somebody at some point had given you some advice on, on how to live out your own values as a professional. Uh, has anyone ever told you something that has helped to shape the way that you approach your work today? That is a, uh, a very good question. It's a big question. I, I think what comes to mind is not necessarily a piece of advice, but um, I think my father was the kind of biggest influence that way. Um, but he just led by example. He was a very uh, creative guy and um, sort of musical and artistic and great writer and all that kind of thing. So on a very personal level, he, he's the person I would point to as really showing how to how to conduct yourself and how to how to be creative. Um, you know, and, and how to have your own kind of moral compass as well. Um, yeah, that would be my, my dad, I guess. 
I love hearing about dads. <laughs> so that's, that's great. I know our parents are, are very much, uh, you know, an influence in our lives and, and certainly um, leading by example. And that's that's what we see. Like anyone who is uh, influential in your life, be it a parent, maybe someone you work with, a neighbor, um, someone else outside of that realm, uh, everyone has the ability to mentor one another, you know, and I think that that's really important, especially in the creative circles of storytelling. There's just, it seems like so many more pieces of the puzzle kind of come together in that area. So if I could ask you one more thing before we go, um, what is one thing that a storyteller can do to become better at his or her craft? Um, I would say that um, keep writing. Like, writing, this is not a profound thought, but real writing is, is rewriting. Get your thoughts down. Make them as concise and clear as possible. And then edit again. You, you have to keep keep writing um just to just to keep your hand in but also when you're working on like you know final copy and storytelling that you that is ready to be seen by the world it needs to be uh tight you you need to choose the correct word all the time and it's not a it's not a light task you know it it should be real writing should be respected and i i think there's a lot of times where it's just okay, and I, I, there are creative directors who who I know who are brilliant at writing, and and you can tell that they've spent time working it out, and there's you know never a misstep. So I, I think that's key is is to write, rewrite, and then and then edit down, and then if you have time, put it away and come back to it later because I think you'll always find that there's a way to to tweak it and and make it even better. I love what you said. It's, it's keeping your axe sharp, as I've, I've heard a few people tell me. So um, fabulous. So, so David, uh, tell us, if we would like to get in touch with you, anyone listening right now has a question to follow up, how can they get a hold of you and what is your company's website? Sure. Um, yeah, our website is um, ramped.ca. That's R-A-M-P-E-D dot C-A, although the company is called Ramp Communications, but our website is ramped.ca. And um, you can uh, reach me at david at ramped.ca. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, David. It's been my pleasure. Really, really great talking to you. Thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already done so, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, as well as give us a rating. We love hearing from you and gathering your feedback. Once again, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli, and I hope you can join us for our next Sound Stories podcast.